0: If you're looking for success, it's in the details, small hinges, move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friends, welcome to in the details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. And let me tell you, you are in for quite a treat today because this episode is for everyone. Like literally every human needs to hear this episode. Doesn't matter if you are a business owner, if you are a a parent, if you are, it doesn't matter. Whatever your walk of life is, this is for all humans. Why? Because we've all had to face fear in many, many ways, and probably many times in life. So my guest today, Michelle Poehler, has a lot of experience and wisdom to share about this very human emotion. Michelle is the founder of hello fears, which is a social movement that has reached over 70 million people worldwide and has empowered thousands to step outside of that comfort zone that we all love to stay tucked into, but get out of it so that they can tap into their full potential. So Michelle, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So when I saw your content, I was like, this woman goes head first into the most uncomfortable situations. And I'm really interested because I saw a post of yours. You said, when you change your relationship with fear, you change your approach to life. So for you, what was that first step that you took to change your relationship with fear? And also why, why did you want to, to embark on that journey? I wanted to live life to the fullest. I was
1: not so, And I want people hearing this, like to raise their hands if they can say that they live life to the fullest. And what I mean by that is like every making every day count, making every day exciting or fulfilling, you know, and not just waiting for your next vacation or waiting for the weekend to arrive, but just really living a meaningful life. That's what I wanted. I realized that I was not living to the fullest. When I listened to the song, I lived by one Republic, which is, I love one Republic. And I was like, In the shower, listening to the song, but paying attention to the lyrics, saying like, I broke bones, I broke my heart. I did all these things, but I can say that I lived. And I'm like, I can't say that I live because I haven't broken a bone in my life or (laughs) my heart or like, I don't take risks. Like I try so hard to stay in my comfort zone that I am not living. I'm avoiding pain, but I'm avoiding life and love and adventure and and curiosity and so many things because I just want to stay in my comfort zone. So I realized that it is not about defying death and just doing all these crazy things that will lead you to believe that you live. But it's more about... Doing the things that bring you joy, bring you curiosity, despite the fear that they may bring. So that's when I decided to embark on this journey where I said, you know what, Uh, starting April 5th of 2015, I'm going to face one fear a day. Fears, and by fears, I mean things that are outside of my comfort zone that I've been curious about for a long time, but I never really tried because I rather stay comfortable.
0: Now we all want to stay in that comfort zone, right? Because that's just like, it's almost like a a natural way. Our, our mind, our brain helps us to stay safe, right? Our brain is there to help us stay safe. But where did this come from for you? Like, did, were you a fearful child? You know, were you always timid and and cautious about things? Like what was your background and and how did that become like a pivotal moment in your life? You're like, no, this is actually the thing that I need to rewire if you will, and try different.
1: It's interesting when you say the word timid, I'm like, no, I'm not. I was never like, I was always social girl, always trying to stand out, but very ambitious. And I don't think that I was fulfilling my ambition because of my comfort. I was like, you know what? I bet I can get wherever I want still being comfortable, like not having to get uncomfortable, like always playing it safe. And I was getting to places like I found the love of my life. I got married. I found a really good position in advertising. I moved from Venezuela, where I was born to the United States to study a career in advertising. Like I was achieving things. I was checking things off my list, but I was not experiencing what I was telling you that is like living life to the fullest. And I was like, what I realized is that there's a huge, difference between being comfortable and being happy. And it's not that I was like not happy or unhappy, but I was so comfortable. And I was like, is this what life is about? I mean, I'm checking all the right boxes. I graduated with a really good degree. Like I got into a really good job in advertising in one of the best agencies with good salary, everything I'm doing what I love. I think I married the love of my life. I'm doing all these right things. Why am I not like so happy? And then I'm like, I'm missing something and it's the, like the willing to get a little bit more uncomfortable to enjoy life and do things that I want to go, that I want to do that are beyond that society's checklist that we're so focused on checking, you know, like, and, and, and it was through therapy. My therapist made me realize like, Michelle, what happened to your New York dream? You told me you dreamed about living there and we were living in Miami. I was like, yeah, but that's too expensive or, you know, that's too hard or that's too competitive. And she's like, uh okay, so go for it like just you know that that's part of life you just use
0: words to describe it. you did <laughs> yeah, that's all that's yeah. <laughs>
1: fine. And then I'm like, can I and she's like, uh, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, no, my husband would never support me. And Like he's, it's, you know, he's a financial planner. That's the most expensive city in the world. And, he, and she's like, you just have to try it. And if it's something that you really care about, you have to insist. It's not about just getting a no as an answer. It's like finding your way to fulfilling your dream. This is about you, your life, your happiness. You have to make it happen. And then I'm like... <laughs> can I do that? So I tried and I made it happen. So I was like, oh, okay. It was just that like being so convinced that this is what you want to do that you bring whoever needs to bring along with you in your journey. Yes,
0: man. So I love how you made the distinction between comfort and happiness. Now I would say, okay, you can feel happy in your comfort zone, but as you mentioned, but do you really feel alive? Mm -hmm. Do you really feel like energized or, or even I feel invigorated when I try something new, right? It's almost like, it's like, okay, so here's an example. I remember I was getting ready for a speaking gig, but I didn't give myself as much time as I normally would because in order for me to feel comfortable, I had to prepare for a certain amount of hours. And it's like, I was like, that's just what I told myself. Right. And so leading up to this week, though, there were so many other family obligations or just other things that got in the way. So I wasn't hitting what I thought was my mark of comfort to feel comfort delivering this thing. And so I remember thinking to myself, okay, Karen, but do you know this stuff? Like, do you feel confident delivering it? So you didn't hit your comfort mark. Like, do you still feel like you can do this? And I stopped trying to prepare up until the last minute because I had changed my game plan that on the plane, I'm going to do this. When I get in the Uber, I'm going to, I mean, I was just trying to pack in that time and it was actually causing me more stress. So by creating a new way to approach this thing on the other side of it, I was like, see, you're fine. You didn't die. You crushed it. (laughs) You know, it wasn't a complete flop. They loved it. They were impacted. So maybe what you thought you needed to do to feel comfortable is actually not the bar. Now, I know this is different than feeling fulfilled, but I just feel like we do, we place different comfort markers and we won't go beyond that. But when we do, it's like you tap into this new strength. It's like, you feel like wait, and it's, and it's so liberating, which I can only imagine that season of a hundred days of facing fear felt like for you, but how, how would you describe the impact of those experiences?
1: Well, so it was, you know, from one day to the other, I went from saying goodbye fear to saying hello fear. And that's a huge difference. And people ask me, why does your is your movement called hello fears instead of goodbye fears, right? And I'm like, because we're not trying to get rid of fear or ignore fear. You know, when you say goodbye to someone, you give your back to that person and then you leave. We're, that's not what we're trying to do. We're going to like say hello fear and <laughs> open our arms and see how we can welcome fear into our life. Because fear as you know, will be there. will be part of our life. It is inevitable. Uh, it will change every, in every stage of our life, we'll have different fears. Like I just became a mom. So I, I have a new set of fears that I didn't have
0: before. And oh yeah. Those fears that come with parenthood. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're
1: real. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I, at the beginning of my project, I actually, I thought that I was going to get like become fearless. Um, And I started using the hashtag fearless here and there. And then one day I had this realization where I'm like, well, I've been facing my fears for the last, let's say 50 days. I don't feel not even close to being fearless. Mm-hmm. I, but I, what I realized is that I was getting closer to feeling brave because I was like, I am facing my fears. And every time that somebody tells me here comes my fearless friend or referred to me as fearless, I feel is they're taking away the, my courage. Because it's not about being fearless. I'm doing this with a lot of fear. I'm still a very fearful person. I'm just willing to face my fears now. And that is the biggest difference. So that is one of the biggest lessons that I learned. And that's what I also teach people on stage. When I talk about leadership, I'm like, I realize we don't need to be fearless in order to be leaders. That's awesome. Like I never considered myself a leader because I was like, I'm too full of fear. But now, with all my fears, I've been able to become a leader and, and a more relatable, approachable, realistic kind of leader because I do uh, dare to show my fears and then I show up with my courage again and again. and I let people know about this and so they kind of, they say like, oh, if she can do it, I can totally do it because we're kind of the same. She's also afraid and that's like what I want people to feel.
0: Yes. And it's such a human way to lead. As you were just mentioning, it's like just being honest about your fear. There's so much talk around overcoming your fears, but what I'm hearing you say is like, it's not overcoming and expecting that they won't be there anymore. Instead. It's really about like, as I mentioned before, one of your quotes that I love, it's just changing that relationship with it which essentially, as you were just saying, you know, and it helped me to see that I am brave and I am courageous. And all you're doing is like, instead of focusing on the fear, which drains your energy, you focus on, you know, your bravery and, and, and you pour into that courageous heart, which then energizes you to overcome it again, not in a way that lets, you know, you turn your back on it, but so that you can get past it or get through it and still get on the other side. Am I hearing you right?
1: Yeah. 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 And one of the like biggest takeaways from my keynote presentation, for example, is that like you were saying, like, instead of focusing on the fear, what I ask people to do is to focus on the reward. And so what I did is I turn around this very popular question that actually I hate because it's not helpful at all. And it's when people ask you what you're about to face a fear, you're full of fear, right? You're, You're like, should I do this? I'm not sure. I will regret it. You know, you're full of this like negative thoughts and fears. And then somebody tells you, wait, but think about it. What's the worst that can happen? And you're, you're like, well, all these things can happen. Yeah. I can get fired. I can have yeah. a bad reputation. I can lead my company to be bro- broke. I don't know. Like all these things can happen. Yes. It's a terrible question. And I heard it again and again throughout my uh, the project that I was doing, facing my peers. So many people ask me that again and again, what's the worst I can happen? And I'm like, I can die. I can, all these things can, and, and maybe not die, but like, I can get very embarrassed. I can, you know, Really bad things can happen. And so I turned the question around into what's the best that can happen? Because when we're about to face a fear and we think the worst case scenarios, we will not take action, Mm -hmm. you know? And that question, what's the worst that can happen leads to the worst case scenarios. You're like, oh yeah, all these things can happen. But when you think what's the best that can happen, then you turn it around and you start thinking, wow, what if I succeed? What if I get a yes? What if I enjoy this? You know, all these possible scenarios that are, it's even more possible to get the good, case scenarios the, to get the bad case scenarios. That's what I heard as a statistic. So why do we focus so much on the worst? Let's start focusing on the best. That is what changed my perspective on fear. Like before going on stage, for example, what are you thinking? What if the music fails? What if, you know, uh, my presentation crashes? What if nobody laughs? And that those are the things that we are telling ourselves. And that is why we start shaking and we're full of fear before going on stage. What if we would think the opposite? And we're like, what if everybody laughs at my jokes? What what if I remember the whole thing? What if I, when it ends, I feel so good about myself and a lot of people congratulate me? What if like all these good things that can go right? Yeah. And that just helps you go into any
0: kind of situation with the right mindset and the right vibes, also. Absolutely. The smallest shift can make the biggest change. I mean, we don't just think about the worst case scenarios where you know contemplating a, a, a fearful moment a lot of times a default and for many people is the worst case scenario. Now I understand this because in some case we're trying to mitigate risk and pain and all that other good stuff. I totally get that. I totally get that. But to your point, then you start to fuel that vision of the outcome. Like you start to essentially draw in all of the things that you don't want to happen because our thoughts are a focal point of our attention And so if you're putting your attention in that direction, then you are quite literally starting to manifest it. And I talk about this a lot also in working with clients or in in my keynotes, it's like, I know that the default Maybe oh, this is the worst that could happen. But if you just flip that question, and thank you for sharing this with your audiences as well, because I think that more people need to hear this. Again, it's a small shift, but it is a big change because now you start to give the energy toward a different scenario that, by the way, is actually more likely. <laughs> It is more likely that those good things are going to come because you are now pouring into your capabilities and not the scenario around you, but like how you show up. And it could be a really hard situation, but if you believe that you can show up with confidence, with courage, you know, that you're going to serve big and not fail big, then that is what's going to happen. So again, the smallest shift can make such a big change. I am curious though, like about these hundred days, (laughs) Michelle, I saw the list. Okay. I saw the list (laughs) and I was like, okay, this woman is wild. You, Uh, first, first, how did you come up with the list? Like, did you plan it ahead of time? Were you, you know, figuring it out as you go? Did other people give you ideas? Like, how did you come up with this list? Well, so I was like, oh, that should be easy. Like I have been avoiding fear my entire life. Like <laughs>
1: I should be able to write a hundred in a heartbeat. So I started writing and I got to 20 fears and then I couldn't like, figure out what a, what else to write. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what what else to add. Like, And I added the typical fears that I've been clearly avoiding my whole life. For example, dogs, I've been afraid of dogs. I'm like, go to a dog park and play with dogs, all kinds of animals. So I named all the animals in there so that-, that <laughs> You're that like, was, that was the first 20, all the animals. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go to a petting zoo and pet animals, like things like that. But then I'm like, uh, roller coasters, you know, like uh, amusement parks, all of that. I don't like them. I try to avoid them. So, okay, let's go to Coney Island. So I put it there. Of course, like skydiving, which is something that I've always been curious about, but I never considered that I would do it. Like me, the very fearful person, I would never go on a plane and just jump. And so I added that. Uh, for example, bungee jumping, I was never curious about. I'm not interested. So I didn't add that to my list. So it's only about things that I want to do that I've been avoiding, uh, even like getting a Brazilian wax, like. I started adding like all these little things from the day to day, even driving at night is something that I avoid. And because I avoid driving at night, I missed on a lot of networking events, um, awards, ceremonies, parties, things like that, you know? So for some people, when they saw my project at first, because the project went viral on day 40. So up until day 40, I was doing all these very like normal things for other people that for me are not normal and are very scary. And so when it went viral, a lot of people criticized a lot, like the majority of the people got super inspired and that's awesome. But you know how the haters also make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And so out of like a thousand positive comments, three negative are like destroying me. So they were like, I don't get it. I do those things on my day to day. I get walks. I like literally yesterday I got walks. I drove at night and, you know, I held my cat. What the heck? Why is she viral? You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it, 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 it was so interesting to go through all this experience. Mm-hmm. But after day 40 and I started receiving all those comments, actually, it was really helpful for me because I was like, you know what, maybe this is a sign that it is time for me to stay Step it out and do things that no one can say they've done, and so you know, I oh increase the volume to the level of courage I needed to face the next. 60 fears. And if you go through the list, you see how it really drastically changed towards the end. Cause I was like, I want to make each one of these count. I uh, was at a point where I was like, I just need one more. So I was eating Harry Potter beans at some point, which is embarrassing for me to say. And my husband would kill me if he hears me saying that, cause he was like, you're not going to do that as one of your fears. But I was like, it's disgusting. It, it's like, it's, these are beans that taste like vomit or poop or like disgusting things. And I tried those and I'm like, I was like, it is scary. Well, anyways. So after that, I started taking it more serious and I started facing bigger fears. And I did, for example, stand-up comedy, which for me was huge and really scary. I did post- did food. you have to deliver like your own jokes? Because that yeah. would be very oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I wrote my whole like fifteen minute speech, and I went to a comedy club in New York, like a legit comedy club, and people were there expecting to laugh. Didn't know I was facing a fear, and I'm not a comedian, so that was so that was for me one of the top ones. But then, like, posing nude in front of a drawing class, mm-hmm. uh,
0: that was super scary as well. That'd be scary for me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. What did you What did you learn from those experiences? Like, once you got past the forty, which Rightfully so. Let's tackle some of our personal fears because to those comments that people are like, "Oh, that's not scary for me." Okay, but everybody is different, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I fully support the fact that you went for your personal fears in that first half of the journey. So then, as you started to get to the second part where you were really stepping out of your comfort zone and doing some risky things, what was the scariest? Was it the comedy club? Not like jumping out of a plane. Well, you know, it goes down to
1: expectations. And I was expecting jumping out of the plane to be extremely scary and outside of my comfort zone. And so it was, it fulfilled the expectation. It was scary, but I did enjoy uh, the falling part, which was a plus. So now after the fact, I can't say that was the scariest one because now I consider the scariest one, the ones that I consider were easy or that were not going to be as hard. And suddenly they were really scary. For example, doing trapeze. So I am not afraid of heights, but still it is scary to like go really high up in a ladder and then grabbing into this swing thing with your hands and then like just letting go it is extremely scary because in the plane you're attached to someone that will jump for you you don't even make a decision but here you have to actually let go looking down and i'm telling you i'm not afraid of heights and this was really scary my stomach dropped when you said that um, (laughs) and on top of that I had CBS Sunday morning with me recording that experience because I was viral already. And all the networks were calling me and they wanted to face a fear with me because I still had 60 more fears ahead of me, which was good because um, I had now a, a like a following for the next half of the project. And so they were with me and I and I chose specifically that one because it looks fun. And I'm like, yeah, that is outside of my comfort zone, but it looks fun. And I'm not afraid of heights. So it shouldn't be, it should be that bad. When I was there, I was like, this is really bad. I, I don't think I can do it. And they were all expecting me to jump. And I was like, I can't. I was paralyzed. So that, for example, jumping from a high cliff, all the jumping things, I think, are really scary mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. Like when you have to give that step, is so scary. And then the last one speaking on TEDx, you know, it's my first time speaking in public. I had a lot of attention because it was the last year. It was really important. I had my entire, I was uh, actually at school because I was working full-time in advertising, but I was doing a master's in branding. So I had the entire school, my professors, everybody watching the TEDx, like everybody, you know, that was following the project watching. I had my family that traveled for this. So it was like a lot of pressure. I would say that was like the toughest one.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, so in rehearsing for your, your TEDx, what, what did that look like? Cause obviously leading up to it was that fear. We do get a few weeks. So sometimes a couple of months, if you're lucky, it depends on the space for you to prepare for that. So preparing for that, knowing it was your biggest fear, did that look differently than any other preparation before one of these experiments? Yeah, because
1: the other ones didn't require any kind of preparation. I would just like rent a car, go to you know the mountains and do zipline, you know, like not that much preparation. This was like eight weeks that I had to build a speech from scratch, create a presentation, and learn it by heart. Typically, mm-hmm. it was only like 15 minutes long <laughs> and not like a full 60 minute speech, mm-hmm. but still very scary and even more because English, as you can see, is not my first language mm-hmm. so my biggest fear was saying the wrong thing you know just screwing up in terms of language and I did like if you if you go to my TEDx it was actually really good but I I look at it now and I like cringe I'm <laughs> like eh, I, I'm not saying the right bit words like what did I just I was horrible you know it is <laughs> embarrassing but it's part of it and now Now, more and more, I embrace my accent and the fact that I'm, I don't speak perfect English because it just also gives me, it's part of my authenticity and it's part of what makes me different. And also a lot of people book me because they are looking for diverse
0: speakers. So I'm like, oh, that is a plus. That's not a minus like I thought. So that's good. Yes, exactly. You mentioned earlier that you still, you know, have to face fears as we all do. We all have to face these fears on, on a regular basis, but are you intentionally facing fears? Are you challenging yourself in the same way you did, you know, during those, those hundred days? And, and if you are, then what's one that you have intentionally put yourself in recently? That's a really good question. And the truth is that after the 100-day project was
1: over, I decided to face a really big fear, which is to become an entrepreneur. So I left my job in advertising. I was working in that while I was doing this entire project and doing my master's. So it was like a really hectic time in my life. But one day I was like, okay, I'm going to ask... I'm facing my fear of quitting my job. That was actually day like 59 or something, and then after the project, I was like, "I'm going to become a speaker." I've never even, I didn't even know that was a thing before. And now I so. am
0: insane. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even
1: know that could be a career. What? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I was like, let me start from scratch. And my husband, he was in finance. He also quit his job. So we both uh, team up to do this together. Him as like my manager, like handling everything and me just handling the creative and the content and all of that. And so when you become an entrepreneur, you don't have to intentionally go out and face and look for fears to face. Like you are facing fears on on the day-to-day. Literally
0: every single day.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just being a, public figure and putting myself out there and not only like a brand of myself, but my real self, because that is my brand. My brand is who I am on my day to day. How do I show that on my social media without, you know, filters, without being more polished than I'm actually, than what I actually am. So like just exposing my real thoughts, that takes a lot of courage. And if you ask me like, what's the last fear that you face? Well, I posted a post I posted a post that sounds good. Like, Brad, I, but I that's uploaded. actually correct.
0: Isn't yeah. that funny? Like, that would be correct. Go, go.
1: <laughs> but I'll rephrase and I'll say, I uploaded a post to Instagram <laughs> that says, Instagram hates me. And I talk about how I am, how the algorithm is hating me right now and how that makes me feel. And I don't have a, a solution or a motivational quote for you. This is just how I feel. And I want people to that feel the same way to know that. I, I, Michelle Poehler, the motivational speaker, you know, with thousands of followers, I do feel the same way. So they feel supported they feel like they're not alone in this. And that's it. Just putting these things out there take a lot of courage. But I think that is exactly what makes my brand what it is.
0: It makes it real. It makes it authentic. And I know sometimes authenticity is overused, especially in in recent days. But the truth is, I am seeing more and more people butt up against these societal norms that have been really just passed down from generation to generation with good intention, right? From our grandparents to our parents the structure and the experiences that they laid out for us is really, again, because it's for safety, right? Safety and comfort. So, because we believe that that equals happiness, but as we break from those norms and checking those boxes, I was a, I did that too. I'm like, if I check all these boxes, life will be great. And then you realize that everybody's life is meant to be radically different and your life is your own. To own and to create and to design. And because that's so different, I mean, you're going to find on a daily basis new fears because you are unlearning what was prescribed to you as the way to live, what was shown, what was, you know, exemplified, if you will. I have no doubt that not only your followers, but your family and your child and children, you know, the so blessings will come that all of that will continue to just create this unbelievable ripple effect in this world. I, I actually remember seeing someone and I think that he was after you. So I'm sure you inspired him as well. It was a hundred days of rejection. No, Um, no, he, he did it first. He did it first. Okay. Yes.
1: As I was doing the project, somebody recommended, like said, Oh, you should, you should see this guy. He already faced a uh, hundred rejections. So I reached out to him, and he's the one that said you should speak on TEDx. You should become a motivational speaker. Oh, I like love he, that. he has helped. He's part of my book now. So uh, there's a whole chapter on rejection, and wow. I interview him. Uh, his name is Jia Jung, and yes. he's amazing. Yeah, he's super. Yes.
0: he is amazing. He is me. Okay, so then even like you two sp- separately, but feeding off of one other, one another, right, and, and inspiring, like there, you can fill in facing blank rejection, fear, like whatever that is for you. But I think just by giving the context of fear, it helps people to see that I can take ownership of this thing that I feel like is holding me back. And I can do it in a very, very brave way. And I just want to applaud the fact that you and Ja are able to be that example for people to break through any societal norm that has been passed down to them as the prescribed way to live so that they can live more fully. Because that's really what we want. Mm -hmm. We all want to live a full life and, and that's going to look different for each of us. So just thank you so much for being brave, for stepping into that courage and for saying hello to fear. (laughs) How can people continue to feed off of your light and, and follow you or connect with you, work with you? Where can we send our listeners? Well, you
1: can always find Hello Fears on Instagram. I'll be there. Um, also, my personal account, if you want to get all the behind the scenes, is my name, Michelle Puller. I handle both accounts, which is like two full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And and also, if you just want to find out more about my speaking, just go to michellepuller.com to watch my demo reel and learn about my uh, talk, Fear Less, Do More, or my new talk, becoming unapologetically you, which is about owning who you are
0: and your authenticity. Oh, well, thank you for owning who you are and all of your greatness. Michelle, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Karen. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.